Week one, college football's here. Let's go. We're back. All right, last week uh, we each had one pick, and to no one's surprise, we both won, so the podcast is 2-0 right now. Undefeated pod so far. It's true. And we got, what, about three, four maybe? I got three. I got three, and then I got my money line, so. Perfect. I think we are ready. We just want to jump right into this, don't we? Yeah. I mean, just real quick recap. What did you have last week that won? Uh, I picked Illinois plus seven. Good. Okay. Yeah, that covered by a mile. Yep. And then I had uh, under 68 for the Hawaii-UCLA uh, game, which covered by two touchdowns. So Good. All right. All right, let's roll into week one. Let's get it. Do you want me to start? Yeah, yeah, you go first. Good, because I got a Thursday night game. I got Boise State at UCF. UCF's five-point favorites. Over-under is 68. Again, this is Thursday, 7 p.m., and... I mean, we're kicking off week one with what should be a great game. Uh, two teams, both have new head coaches, Gus Malzahn at UCF, Andy Avalos at Boise State, both inheriting great quarterbacks, Hank Backmeyer at Boise, and the great Dylan Gabriel at UCF, who last year was the fifth best quarterback in the NCAA. I threw for 3,570 yards and a 32-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Um, even though they ranked 25th in rushing yards last year, they lost top two running backs. We're talking, of course, of UCF. But they have a pretty good one waiting there, um, Bentavious Thompson. He averaged 5.2 yards a carry last season when he did get in, um, and they are returning a receiver who should eclipse the 1,000-yard mark this year, Jalen Robinson. So... Offense looking pretty promising uh, this season. Should have no trouble putting up points quick and often. Boise's defense. We talk about UCF's offense. Boise's defense was so-so last season. And they had their top defensive back graduate. I mean, they were 52nd in scoring defense. Their limited depth in the secondary. Seeing how Gabriel played. uh, And the fact that Boise State may be limited. All signs are pointing to points being scored when UCF has the ball. Oh, and forgot to mention that UCF averaged 44.3 points per game last year, which was fifth best. So they're a scoring juggernaut. Uh, We can look at Boise's offense for a little bit. They did average 33.9 points per game last season, which was good enough for 29th in the country, and they are returning most of their starters. Uh, Bachmeyer, their quarterback, will be able to throw the ball pretty well. Big question mark is their defense. Uh, UCF actually ranked 117th in pass defense last season and lost their top DB and tackling leader Richie Grant to the NFL. So they allowed 31.4 points per game. And, you know, I started with UCF, you know, taking UCF minus five. Now it's looking like an over for me. I still think UCF covers, but I think I'm going to stick with the over because Gabriel is going to be gunning for a big start to the season. I think he's going to have Heisman, you know, hopeful there. So he's got to have a good, good game here. And Boise's going to have to throw to stay in the game. They're going to be thrown up against a bad, bad pass defense. So with the over being 8-3 and three in the last 11 games, where the total was under 70 for UCF, and UCF had nine games go over 69 points last year. Boise State went over five of the last seven. I'm taking the over 68 in this one. Nice. Yeah. No, I think that's a good one. Um, I really like Gabriel. Yeah, me too. All right. I'm going to, for my first game of week one, 
I'm going to go with the Stanford versus Kansas State game. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff local time, noon Eastern time on Saturday at the Cowboys Stadium. This is just as much of a fade Stanford play as it is a back Kansas State play. Uh, Stanford's playing two quarterbacks this game. They've made it clear they don't have a defined starter. Uh, That's all the explaining I really need to know when it comes to their offensive production this year. Um, The game's also going to be a 9 a.m. start time for their circadian rhythm clock. So out in California, since they have to come play in Texas, it's I don't know if they'll adjust as well. It's going to be 9 a.m. California time. Uh, they've only gone eight and eight since 2019, which is very uncharacteristic of their coach David Shaw. Um, but I don't really see anything changing, and they haven't had any help either with how um, rough COVID's been in California and the restrictions. Makes it hard on a football team to practice in spring. Makes it hard for them to meet like normal, um, like a normal football program. I definitely think Kansas State has a competitive advantage there. Um, and then it's also the first week of classes. This is Stanford. If they fall behind, they're not going to catch up. So there's another reason to fade Stanford. Um, they only had two picks. Their defense only had two picks out of all of 2020. Uh, but they are returning eight defensive starters. But what really stuck out to me was that Stanford allows, last year at least, 200-plus rushing yards per game. So that's a terrible mismatch against a very run-heavy Kansas State team. Uh, Skyler Thompson, their quarterback, is back. He was hurt last year, saw a season cut short, but with his short production in 2020, he did have a great season. Uh, so far in his career at Kansas State, he has 30 career starts. Uh, he has three top 10 wins, uh, which is really impressive. You know, 10% of his starts have been, he's been able to knock off uh, top 10 opponents. Uh, his career at Kansas State, he has over 5,000 passing yards and over 1,300 rushing yards and 52 career TDs. Um, man, he's he's a big guy, too, so I, I really expect him to be able to push the ball forward. Kansas State also last year, even though their record wasn't as pretty as usual, three out of their six losses, three of the losses combined for a total of seven points. So they were in a lot of games last year, and they, do, they can do really well in these short spread games. Um, and then on top of that, uh, to back it up, running back Deuce Vaughn is going into his uh, sophomore year at, here at uh, Kansas State. He's on the Maxwell Award watch list for the best offensive player in the country. Um, he had 642 yards with seven touchdowns last year. I think Kansas State is worth the, the minus three points. So, especially, I mean, they're not playing at their home stadium. They are the home team. They are going to have a travel advantage. They're going to have a uh, COVID advantage, and they have the advantage on the field. So let's go with Kansas State minus three. Yeah, I like that. I like the uh, the travel advantage you put in there. I got a pick coming up later that kind of ties into that. But you know, I love Kansas State. So yeah, that's. I mean, I'm I'm stealing your thunder week one, but <laughs> it's not it's not a Kansas State money line. No, so that's okay. fine. I like it. All right, moving on. My game, uh, Duke, six and a half point favorites at Charlotte. Over under is sixty and a half. And I gave a Thursday night game because I was pretty ready to go. Uh, I don't think I'm going to wait another another day. I'm going to go right after it. This one's on Friday night at 7. Um, I'm not that degenerate to where I'm going to stoop so low as to go bet a high school game. But I think this game, I'm feeling pretty damn confident that this is as sure as a lock as I'm going to get um, with the slate that we're seeing. So 
Duke minus six and a half is what I'm playing. This is, I mean, it's pretty cut and cut and dry, straightforward, very short and simple to the point. Charlotte last year played Duke, got absolutely hammered, 53 to 19. And although this year Charlotte team is going to be better, it's not promising when you have an offense that you're returning a lot of starters. Last year, they only got going twice, and that was against North Texas and UTEP, who are two pretty crappy teams. Some may say that because Duke is reloading on the D-line, they may be in some trouble to start the year, but I look past that. And the defense was a young group last year, but now they have experience. They have a strong secondary, good linebacker group. Uh, Duke's quarterback, Gunnar Holmberg, which is a great name for a quarterback, by the way, will not have to force anything. He just has to let his receivers work. Duke's going to want to focus on ball control because they had trouble with that last year, sustaining offensive drives. And they don't have to do too much. I think winning by a touchdown is not nothing short than easy for him. Uh, Charlotte got destroyed last year. It's not going to be a 34-point blowout this time, but Duke's going to cover 6.5, move on next week. So I'm going Duke 6.5. I mean, I see the angle, but I just can't back a Duke team right now. That's all right. I will. I'm feeling good about it. All right. I'm going to take it down to the Northern Illinois versus Virginia or Georgia Tech game. Uh, Georgia Tech is minus 18 at home. Night kickoff at 7 p.m. in Atlanta. Um, and this is this is a pretty much a fade NIU team because Georgia Tech doesn't have a lot of um, hope on paper, but they pass the eye test, and I, I think they're trending in the right direction. NIU is 0-6 in the MAC last year. Uh, they allowed almost 40 points per game in the MAC, a very non-efficient offensive conference. Uh, they're still uncertain at QB. No one on the roster on their whole team has thrown a pass in a game. Uh, so there you go. Uh, and many expect them to be the worst team in the country next to uh, ULM Monroe. Um, they were 2-4 and four against the spread last year on top of being 0-6 straight up. And uh, contrasting from that, I really like the way that Georgia Tech has been trending. So this is their third year under the new coach, Jeff Collins. They've gotten rid of their triple option you know, identity, and they do have a really good quarterback, really, really talented quarterback uh, under center named Jeff Sims. He's a sophomore. He's he's the definition of a dual threat. Last year he threw for 1,800 passing yards and 13 touchdowns, while he ran for just under 500 rushing yards and six ran for six touchdowns. Um, their top performers at every level are back on defense, and Jeff Collins in his third year finally has the guys that he wants starting. So his recruits that he brought in are finally maturing, and I think they're expecting a breakout year. Um, GT is playing in a way tougher ACC this year than normal. So I think they want to get out here, try everything they can, um, and and I, I think they can edge them out by 18. I think this – I don't think NIU is going to score. So as long as Georgia Tech's defense can show up and their offense can do okay, which I expect them to do great, I think this is a pretty safe bet, Georgia Tech minus 18. Very good. All right, so we got two apiece. I got my third, which is – I have to do a Big Ten game. You know, I went Big Ten last week. Successful. I was going to do Ohio State this week, but can't really. I'm not too confident with. I know they're going to win, but I don't know what their team's going to be like. So 
let's stick in the Big Ten, and we'll go to the probably the biggest Big Ten game of the week, which is Penn State at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's five-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under set at 50. This is Saturday noon. And last year, in games that were played at Camp Randall, opponents were held to games of seven points, 14 points, and 17 points. Wisconsin's offense scored less than 21 points in four of their last seven games last year. In 2019, the Badgers allowed no more than 24 points in a game at their home field. Yeah, they were crazy on defense. And that, that included three shutouts. Yeah, I remember that. So it's safe to say that their defense has historically been pretty damn good. Yes. Right? I don't think the season's going to be much different. I mean, they have the best defensive unit well, defensive line in the conference. They always have big bodies up front. Now they have one of the best linebacking corps in the country. And last year, Penn State, awful season. They had a lot of issues with pass protection. If that has not been fixed in camp, then we're looking at a lot of pressure, which is going to result in a lot of short drives and a lot of turnovers for the Penn State offense. But... The problem won't be with the uh, Wisconsin offense because last year they had turnover issues, could not run the ball. They only hit the 200-yard rushing mark one game last year. And historically, Wisconsin's a good running team. Badgers quarterback Graham Mertz, great quarterback, but he has some question if he has what it takes to compete at a high level. And Penn State does have a good defense as well. These are arguably the two best I'd say they're the two best defenses in the conference, uh, top to bottom. Ohio State's very good, but I think these two are probably two of the best with returning starters. Yeah. Um, what's going to be the true test is how's Penn State going to work in their new offense that they, that they have this year? Quarterback Sean Clifford, just not consistent last year. He has a pretty decent backfield uh, supporting him, but I don't think it's going to be enough to – hide your quarterback behind your running backs when you're facing a defense like Wisconsin at home. You know, you got jump around, all that stuff. So expect both of the defenses to shine in this game. I think offenses are going to struggle for long periods. You're still going to have flashes here and there. But this is big time, Big Ten football. Um, it's basically an equivalent to my baseball fans out there, Jacob DeGrom versus Walker Bueller pitching matchup. Very low scoring. I'm going the under 50 in this game. I, Man, I like it. I mean, I, I was looking at this game. I, I can't pick a side here. No. So, I mean, if you're going to bet this game, definitely go with the, with the um, total. And the way the Big Ten trends, the under is probably the way to go. So That's exactly I like what I was thinking. So I think I'm good there. Awesome. So I'm, for my last lock here, I'm going to take it to Ohio. Um, where Miami of Ohio is traveling to Cincinnati. Do you have this one too? No, okay, but I good. was very close to yeah, this one. I was thinking about it last second. I was like, okay, I, I, I have all my points for this one. This is <laughs> this is a pretty good one. So the kickoff's at 3.30 in Cincinnati. And, you know, Miami, Ohio, Mac school, performs pretty well on the Mac every year. Um, but not too well when they play Power Fives or even just, <laughs> well, Okay, Cincinnati's not Power 5, but yeah, they might but as well be. Yeah. yeah, I remember being at Columbus, uh, I think, in the, during the 2019 season, watching the Ohio State-Miami-Ohio game, and it was just the most embarrassing thing I've seen in my life. Yep. Um, so, you know, Miami-Ohio doesn't show up for the big guys. Uh, their quarterback, Brett Gabbert, 
he's an okay quarterback, but he only attempted 35 passes last year. Um, not too encouraging. On top of that, their wide receiver Sorensen accounts for over half of their receiving production. Now, he's going to be matched up against an All-American cornerback in um, Ahmed Gardner, so I think that he'll be taken off the table real quickly. On top of that, Miami of Ohio lost their two best O-linemen um, from last season. One went to the NFL draft, the other one transferred. Uh, so they're going to be hurting where it matters. You know, when these MAC schools play more talented schools, the it's not it's a skill position where it's most evident the uh, competitive disadvantage is. It's definitely in the trenches. Uh, they're going to get bullied on offensive and defensive line this game. Um, now, Cincy, on the other hand, Cincy's out for revenge after last year. They were very close to beating Georgia and completing an undefeated season. Um, so they they know what's at stake. They know how the NCAA committee views group of five schools getting to the playoff, but they do ha- have a good enough roster to make it to a playoff if they can go undefeated. Um, to leave zero doubt in the playoff committee's mind, they're going to have to blow out every team, and they're definitely not going to be able to show that they struggled against Miami of Ohio. So, you know, take this 22.5 point deficit and do whatever you or uh, spread and do whatever you want with it. I think Cincinnati in the back of their heads is going for the 35 plus point victory every game this year that they can because they cannot leave any struggle on their schedule to give the committee some reason to leave them out of the playoff. Uh, Luke Fickle's a great coach. Um, Ohio State, former Ohio State coach. Why are you shaking your head? Because he was trash. What are you talking about? He's a terrible coach. I hate Luke Fickle. Okay. Well, Last year I had. We're going to keep moving. Uh, <laughs> last year, I had a good parlay going where they and needed he, to and cover. He it. And he, yeah, he had that, his running back stop at the one. Mm-hmm. And oh, I remember four that. Four plays to score. They couldn't score, and I got fucked. I remember this. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to ride him mostly this year because they have to convince the committee to let him in. So okay. <laughs> they've won 14 straight games against Miami. This is a rivalry that dates back to 1888. Um, if they win here, they can tie the all time record. Another, which they will win. Um, last year, their defense was eighth in the nation in uh, points allowed on defense. Uh, they return everybody pretty much. Um, they're elite at, on the line, at, in the linebackers, and in the secondary. Um, Desmond Ritter, who I have a ticket on for 33-1 to to win the Heisman, um, he is an animal. He will um, be able to keep the offensive moving. They usually start slow on offense, but... You know, I'm figuring that that's going to change this year. Um, and like I said, they have that All-American corner, Ahmed Gardner, that's going to shut down the, the number one guy on production for uh, Miami Ohio's wide receivers and receiving. So, man, for me, it's pretty easy. Cincinnati's going to go for a blowout here, and I'm only getting only having to lay 22.5 points. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm going to stay away and see how they perform in their first game with the big spread because that really, really pissed me off last year. Yeah, I remember that game now. I think I bet that game too. Yeah. But, I mean, is Luke Fickle back on your good side if if he can uh, be a cover machine this year? Even even coming from your team, Ohio State? Yeah, when he was with us, I hated him. You know, if Ryan Day leaves, Luke Fickle's next up for that job. No, he's not. I promise you. I guarantee you he won't. All right. That's it for you, yeah? Yeah, that's all I got. All right. I got one more, and it's the return of the Moneyline Moneymaker. And to return and start the season off, you can't start with, like, a wimpy, you know, two-point or three-point underdog upset. I need to find something that's double-digit spread, 
and I think that's how you really start a good juju when you're trying to pick upsets. So for 2021, the Moneyline season, we're going to start with a late game on Saturday, BYU-Arizona. BYU is a 12.5-point favorite. Arizona is going off at plus 375. Now this game is in Vegas. It's an inaugural Vegas kickoff classic game. I like it. Okay, first off, Mormons are not allowed to gamble. So they're in the wrong city to play a football game. Very true. All right, secondly, BYU lost Zach Wilson. They're going to be turning to a quarterback who played nine games with two starts and had 420 passing yards with one touchdown. If you break that down, it's 47 yards per game. Yeah. Okay? Thirdly, Arizona. They were 0-5 last year. To me, that means they're due. <sighs> All right? And because they're playing Mormons in Vegas, they have Lady Luck on their side. Okay. Because the Mormons are not allowed to gamble. It's against the law for them. All right? So Arizona, they have an offense that can give some secondaries trouble. They have an explosive running back. Um, they have a trans- They have a lot of transfers, actually. Transfer quarterback from Washington State, Gunnar Cruz. Running back transfer from Northwestern, Drake Anderson. He's going to complement Michael Wiley, their explos- explosive running back. Their defense. Cornerback transfer from Notre Dame. Safety transfer from Northwestern. They're revamped, ready to go. BYU is without their star quarterback. Their players are going to feel completely out of place in Vegas and uncomfortable. Casinos are bearing down on them. Their gods or whatever it is are just shunning them because they're in the city, Sin City. So I think they have bad karma going into this game, and I think Arizona pulls off the upset. Arizona plus 375, that's how we start the season. Man, you're back in some sketchy teams, but your points are good, so. Tell you I, what, I, I pick see it. Yeah. We're feeling good, man. We started last week 1-0 and a piece, 2-0 as a pod. Yep. I think we uh, we keep rising after that. I'm going to recap Man, mine, and then I you're going to recap yours, all I'm, right? I'm looking for another 3-0 week. Start start the first two episodes with undefeated. Yes. Take that. All right, so to recap, I got the over 68 in the Boise State-UCF game. Duke minus 6.5 against Charlotte. The under 50 points in Penn State-Wisconsin. And then Arizona plus 375 against BYU for the Moneyline Moneymaker. Perfect. To recap, Big Country's picks. I got Kansas State minus 3 versus Stanford. I have Georgia Tech minus 18 versus Northern Illinois. And I have Cincinnati minus 22.5 hosting Miami of Ohio. Beauty. Like we said, we're not going to give you... We're not going to give you 8 or 10 picks and then have a 500 record. We're trying to give you a couple picks, a couple locks, and show you that, hey, these are the ones you need to pick. We're going to get our records going and uh yeah i'm not throwing picks out there just for content exactly I'm throwing picks out there when we so. want to show that we can give out winners so i don't get made fun of on twitter all right well uh you got the socials yeah follow us at cf payoff cf payoff pod on twitter uh find us at the college football payoff on youtube F- search college football payoff on any podcast streaming site uh, find Dan at Accountant Bets on Twitter. Find me at Big Country Bets on Twitter. Um, yeah, let's keep going. You'll see some other picks. We're, we'll throw out some more stuff on Twitter, uh, stuff we didn't put on the pod. But I can I can say that 
these are my my top picks I put on the pod. Yeah. So yeah, these are my locks for you. So. Yeah, make sure to like, uh, rate, review, subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff that could help us out. Share it with your friends because we'd like to grow and keep giving you guys winners. Love it. You got anything else? Uh, here's to three and zero, six and zero on the po- seven and zero on the pod. So. Seven and zero on the pod. I like the this sound of that. Nice. All right. I'm Dan. It's Big Country. We'll see you next time.